Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we acknowledge an important milestone for St. Louis Public Radio. Today marks the fifth anniversary of the merger between St. Louis Public Radio and the online news site, the St. Louis Beacon. Joining me in studio are the two people who put that union together, Beacon founding editor and former St. Louis Public Radio news editor Margie Freivogel and St. Louis Public Radio general manager Tim Eby. Thank you both for being with us. Good afternoon. Thanks, Tom. Congratulations. Five years goes by very quickly when you're having fun, right, Jim? Boy, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, it was probably five years ago to the day that we were having a conversation about getting all of this started. And I remember one of the lines was the whole idea was to put more muscle into journalism in St. Louis. Tim, has that ambition been realized? I think we're, uh, I think we're doing a pretty good job. I mean, it has been uh, astounding in five years what's happened both in journalism uh, and what's happened in this community. Uh, and uh, I think St. Louis Public Radio has been able to uh, fit in uh, and do a pretty good job in, I think, covering this region in a much more substantial way, uh, certainly than what we were able to do before the merger. And given the events that have happened in this region, I think it was critical that for us to be here to tell those stories. Mm -hmm. Margie, uh, you are now looking at it as a consumer as opposed to an editor. I am. Has it made any kind of a difference to you? Absolutely. I think uh, the region has a resource that really didn't exist in the same way before. Uh, And at a time when the future of journalism is still very much up in the air, I think we've got a solid, strong organization here that's uh, dedicated to the right purposes. You were speaking and before we came in and also five years ago about the vision that you were seeing as you looked ahead to where we are today and beyond. Uh, is that vision being realized? I think so. It's, it's always a work in progress because the vision is to report, get as close to the truth as you can every day and reach as many people as possible with that reporting. And uh, figuring out how to do that is always a work in progress. Tim, what have the challenges been over the course of the five years? I mean, n- nothing is easy when change is being affected. Well, and I think it is it is really one of those things of, of keeping up with changes that are happening. I think back uh, five years ago when we brought the two newsrooms together, I don't think we realized what it was going to take to uh, to cover this region in the way that we had envisioned both from an audio standpoint and a text-based standpoint, because that was the whole idea that we were coming together. The Beacon was had a, had a very strong online presence. We were primarily uh, an audio service. Uh, and over that time, we were able to merge this together in a, in a way that I think has been uh, I think challenging for the newsroom uh, in many ways because uh, for the folks who are producing content, you've got to produce a radio story that is sometimes very different from the online story that people are reading. And in many ways, sometimes it's two very different audiences. One of the things that's been really interesting for us is we've been able to dig into the data uh, for our online audience, for the audience that's seeing and reading our stories online, is how much younger they are in many ways than our traditional radio audience. The the the, the uh, number one cohort, age cohort, for our online audience is 25 to 34-year-olds, which is uh, pretty pretty young compared to our radio audience, for sure, which still is appealing. It's de- appealing to young younger people all the time, but uh, uh, much more driven by baby boomers. So the fact that our online audience is much younger, we're doing something right in reaching that age cohort that I think we really tried to do in the purpose of what we were trying to do, I think, when we brought the beacon into uh, with St. Louis Public Radio. You can see on something like the recent reporting on Paul McKee's 
North Side Properties, the uh, website presence of that story is uh, is quite interesting and a very different sort of presentation. You know, it, it seems to me that there has to be sort of a delicate balance in dealing with this because you want the younger audience. That's the future of this radio station and NPR, the future audience, if you will. But by the same token, you want to stay relevant to the older audience, the donor class. Absolutely. Well, and and it's and it is one of those things that in a lot of ways you're reaching them in different ways. So uh, uh, with our online presence, with podcasts, with developing things for smart speakers, those are things we're thinking about that might reach people differently uh, than what they might get from a traditional radio stream. Uh, and it's in five years, it's just been it's been so fascinating to see the changes that have happened. Uh, if we were sitting here five years ago having this conversation, we would not have thought about the influence that Facebook had on an election and all of those types of things that we we knew it was a valuable and social media was very valuable five years ago, but so different than what it is today. Same thing goes with things like podcasts or we weren't even talking about anything to do with a, a device like an Alexa uh, that is now uh, being used by people to listen to audio constantly. And so these are things that, that I think what happened with the merger five years ago was it drove us to think differently, that we were not a radio station anymore, that we were uh, a news organization, and how we could reach people on different platforms and through different services was, was really critical towards our survival and relevance in, in the long term. I've had people suggest uh, and ask the question, is is St. Louis Public Radio a, a radio station with a website or a rev- website with a radio station? And right. my response is we're a news organization. Mm-hmm. We're a journalism organization that reaches people uh, however they decide to use us. Uh, Mark, uh, this is interesting to talk to you about this because you've been in the news business for a long time. And you've seen in the last couple of years the kind of changes that Tim uh, is talking about. How difficult has it been for someone like you to adjust to all these changes, the technology and all the rest of it? Well, I think there's, there are a lot of challenges with it. Um, there, there's a common thread, and the common thread is that people need uh, solid information about what's going on in their community. How you go about finding that, how you go about reporting that, connecting with people, and how you pay for all that, those things have been in flux for at least a decade now, it's severe flux for at least a decade, and uh, the challenge is figuring that out. There are a lot of new tools that journalists have today that those of us who have been around a little bit longer had no access to. You know, I'm thinking of Twitter and the social media. Um, how effective are these new tools, do you think, in today's journalism? Well, I think they're very important, and um, they're the way that a lot of information gets shared among uh, readers and listeners and website users. It's it's the way that a lot of people get their news. So they're just a fact of life. But there's an upside and a downside to them. I think um, people uh, paradoxically feel overwhelmed by the amount of information that's flooding toward them. And they feel like there's a drought of solid information or a difficulty in figuring out what really matters. So I think that there's a role for St. Louis Public Radio and other news organizations on on both ends of that. Tim, how how well have we kept up with 
today's technology and doing what we have to do. Well, I think that, you know, it, it, it was funny because it took us about, it took us almost a year and a half to actually complete the merger. And uh, during those times, we talked a lot about how nimble we could be to to keep up with things. Uh, and, and we've evolved our staffing in various ways uh, since the merger to today. When we did the merger, we did not have a full-time photojournalist on staff. Uh, now we do. Uh, and in in fact, we have others that are, are uh, contributing to that so that the, the journalism that we produce is not only just audio and, and text-based, but amazing pictures. And we're distributing and we're, we're building audiences through Instagram stories, mm-hmm. which five years ago was not something that we had thought about. Uh, thinking about other ways and, and using the audience information that we have to help better serve those audiences. We have uh, a, a gentleman working for us now that digs deep into the data that we use so that we can understand what stories the audiences are looking to on our website and looking at on our website and how we can better serve those audiences with data in a much more effective way than we did five years ago. Uh, so we're doing okay, I, I think. And, and, and a lot of that is through the generosity of the community. I mean, I think one of the one of the amazing stories about the merger and and for those who don't know it, this was a first. There was never a public radio station that brought an online news nonprofit like the Beacon into its operation and merged uh, the first. This was the first here in St. Louis that's happened. And it's happened elsewhere. They, just in the last year, it's happened in New York City, Washington, D.C., and L.A. that an online news presence merged with that uh, public media, public radio station in those cities. So we really created a model for that, and it really was the generosity of donors that helped us get there. I think one of the great stories of this is the fact that uh, at the time of the merger, uh, we were raising about $3 million a year from donors supporting the station. We're up over $5 million now. Uh, And a lot of ways, that's because the service that we've provided has been much more substantial to people that they've been willing to support it. What were some of the obstacles that uh, caused this to take Fairly long time to uh, to put together. <laughs> Looks like neither one of you wants to answer well, that there question. Were, no, there, were, there were many. There were yeah. many. There were a number of logistical questions. Where would we be? Well, the very first question we had to tackle was, was this a collaboration or a real merger? And we very quickly decided that the biggest benefit would come from a full integration of the two operations, that it would be a true merger. But, uh, you know, you begin to think of the details of that. How do the Beacon people learn to do radio? Um, How will the uh, St. Louis Public Radio reporters uh, respond to the opportunity to do more in-depth work on their beats? Uh, Where will we be? What systems will we use? And then how to convince all the various powers that be who were involved that this was a good and sound idea. I mean, what there was. I mean, certainly there were. Uh, there, there was a lot of discussion over how could we afford to do this um, because we were at the time we added fifteen people to the payroll at one time, and uh, the fact is, uh, at the time the budget uh, that we had could not sustain that at that moment. And uh, and we knew that. And that's where, again, generosity of people. We were able to go out and raise about $3 million from the community to cover the cost of this over several years. And, you know, what's happened is the last year, last year, we ended our fiscal year with a sizable surplus for the first time in that time because we were able to, to cover the cost of, of the growth 
of the staff and the investments that we were making, thanks to the generosity of the community. But it was a real risk from a financial standpoint. And being a part of the University of Missouri, there were certainly some questions. Was this the right thing to do uh, from a financial standpoint at a, ta- at a time when the university was reducing its support for all of the public radio stations that it operated across the the state of Missouri. And so it was really essential for us to have a good, strong business plan that worked out. Uh, and it was truly, the, uh, I think, the work that we had done in many ways through the leadership of Margie initially uh, bringing the newsroom together uh, that ultimately led to, I think, just amazing coverage of the situation in Ferguson following the shooting of Michael Brown that I think really established us as a news organization that could have a, a significant impact in the community. If there was any kind of a silver lining to what happened in Ferguson, and sure, surely there were very, very few, if, if any, one might have to be the fact that it was at the right time for this staff to really come together and work as a staff on a very, very big story, Marty. I think we learned to really trust each other in moments yeah. of great uh, challenge and danger. Yeah, a lot of young reporters uh, came in just days and and weeks before this happened and had to jump right into the breach. That ain't easy. The the week before, we were debating how to do an orientation for the new people, and the week after, we were just sending them out to Ferguson to figure it out because we were just all consumed with covering that story. Proud moment for you, Tim, I know, and watching the way that response uh, was handled. I, I, I mean, I was sitting down. I mean, we, if, if people have not been in this building, we have a distinct firewall. The third floor is where people produce the content. The second floor is where we run the business in that sense. Uh, and the work that this team did uh, in very harrowing and difficult circumstances to tell the story that really, I think, represented all sides of of everything that happened over those months, those many, many months, I think was was so substantial. And people recognize that. Yeah. People recognized it nationally. We run a number of awards, which is a nice thing to talk about. But more than anything, I think the impact and the trust that we gained from audiences across all spectrums was really, I think, the, the, the important part of that, that people found this news source as something of tremendous value that they couldn't find anywhere else. And Margie, having confidence in the operation given the way that it performed. Yeah, I think, I mean, that was really the test of our theory. Mm -hmm. Um, And we certainly didn't plan it that way. And also a test, I think, in the sense that when the immediate uh, coverage, which actually went on for months, when that phase ended, um, the newsroom has really stuck with exploring that story of race in St. Louis um, in a way that uh, is of great value to the community. Time is flying by. We have to take a break. We'll do that and come back in just a moment to continue our conversation on this, the fifth anniversary of the merger of the St. Louis Beacon and St. Louis Public Radio. And here we are today. Back in a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. Welcome back as we continue our conversation on the fifth anniversary of the merger of St. Louis Public Radio and the St. Louis Beacon. What 
other highlights were there that you think of? I mean, Ferguson obviously has to stand out. Tim, I'll start with you. The highlights of this uh, of this association over the last five years. I, I think, and you can point to a few specific things, but things that I, I feel were really important were, was really pushing us to try and experiment with things. Uh, out of out of Ferguson, uh, we had this idea that we wanted to create a podcast, and that began as we live here at that point in time with Tim Lloyd uh, and Emmanuel Berry, who was the original co-host with and co-producer with Tim on on that, uh, uh, which we thought may be a one-year thing. We didn't have any idea where it was going to go, and now we're in uh, year four, and that podcast is having amazing impact in the community, actually uh, resulting in uh, policy, public policy changes that have happened because of that. So I, I look at that. I look at some of the other investigative work that we have done uh, that has resulted in public policy changes, whether it was just in the last year, the work that Ryan Delaney did um, on uh, the uh, the dust buildup from uh, from some of the uh, debris from the mm-hmm. NGA uh, demolition uh, right next to a school that was causing issues and, and actually resulted in the NGA director coming in and meeting with the mayor to move, remove that. That was reporting that was not done anywhere else but with us. Mm-hmm. And, and over the years, we've done that. And, and I think it's through Margie and then uh, Margie's successor in the editor, uh, in the executive executive editors, Chair Shula Newman, who have really driven the newsroom to dig deep and to dive deep and to be brave and courageous about what they're covering. Because in this, I mean, in this time uh, where journalism is under fire, it takes courage to cover these kinds of stories. And of course, we have expanded our reach. Mm-hmm. With the oh, things. absolutely. That, that's a big deal. Quincy and Rolla, now part of our, our family. Absolutely. And and uh, more than anything, keeping uh, this service going in those communities was cr- critically important when there was a risk of actually losing public radio in those communities. And for us to be able to step in and continue to provide that is really essential. Uh, I'd like to also invite our listeners to come into this conversation. If you have things you'd like to say or questions you have about uh, this merger and where we are right now, give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org. Or if you'd prefer to send us a tweet, we'll take that at STL on air. Back to the conversation, Margie. Um, I mentioned at the outset that you are now a consumer as well as a, a former editor. What do you see that you think maybe we should be doing differently? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there there are uh, a zillion choices every day of how to use your resources in a newsroom. And I think this newsroom has consistently done a very good job of focusing on, um, to use a phrase that uh, we used to use as a tagline, news that matters. Uh, And that's tough. It's uh, hard to realize from outside how many choices you have and how much commitment it takes to give someone the time to dig into a story, to dig into a beat. Uh, and I think the newsroom's done a really great job over the years of maintaining that kind of focus. Tim, what about it? Expansion in the works? Can you look ahead that far and see well, a larger newsroom? Well, we, uh, if we can find the space, absolutely. <laughs> we are we are uh, packed pretty full up here. But I, I think we we have to continue to to grow. Uh, both in the numbers of people and how we're serving uh, the community. We're excited because we've got a, a new reporter that will be starting with us in January whose f- sole focus is 
around investigative reporting, and they'll be splitting their time between doing actual invo- uh, investigative reporting, and the other half of their time will be coaching others to it, uh, to work on investigative pieces. Those that's something we added the uh, Jonathan Alla reporter in Rolla, uh, so that there's there's those continued efforts. We we see uh, a need to uh, perhaps put a reporter on the Metro East side, uh, reporting all of the things that are going on there. That I think are stories that uh, that we need to teach and tell our audience uh, about what are happening because again sadly uh, the uh, some of the other uh, I think important journalism outlets here are are having to reduce and retract in the number of people that they have on staff doing reporting and so I think it's more and more important for us to fill this gap and, and public radio is looking at doing that on a national level we feel there's these news deserts that are uh, being created all across America that in many w- places the only outlet for journalism now is at public radio stations and uh, and while we aren't in a in a desert here, it's getting much more sparse than it was uh, 15 or 20 years ago. And I think public radio and the role that we play in uh, in telling these stories, both with uh, audio as well as text and photos and, and, and whatnot, is, is more important now than it ever has been. We have a caller who wants to join us, and that would be Mike calling from Union, Missouri. Mike, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Yeah, I'd like to uh, express my thanks for the for the merger. Uh, I was a beacon reader, uh, at least until they weren't available online anymore. And I'm a baby boomer. But I also worked in IT for a number of years. And I think, uh, you know, the, the idea that younger people are online and people my age listen I think is a stereotype that's not completely accurate. And I look forward to seeing more collaboration because I think it's really something the area needs. Thank you. Oh, thank you for the call. Tim, you want to respond to that? Sure. And, and I certainly didn't mean that to, to uh, when I mentioned that our number one cohort, our younger uh, 25 to 34-year-olds on the website, certainly we have a, a, a sizable audience that reads our stories uh, mm-hmm. that are of my uh, demographic, which is a baby boomer, certainly. I, I, but I think um, what is important is, is is the fact that I think journalism is here. And, and, and I can't say enough about the vision that Margie and Bobby Duffy and and uh, all of the team from the Beacon that created the Beacon at uh, at that time, and and that's closing in on uh, it's about ten years ago now, isn't it? Uh, that uh, the Beacon started. That the Beacon got started. And, yes. And the vision that you had to create something different uh, that I think was so important for St. Louis at the time. Uh, that established that foothold for for good journalism, for good storytelling, and it's so essential. I mean, one of the things that he talked about the Beacon website, um, one of the things that we are continuing to work on here and we're not done yet is to get all of the archives from the Beacon moved over to the St. Louis Public Radio site because there is just a wealth of uh, archive material that's so valuable and the work that the Beacon did before the merger was so important that uh, that that uh, those stories be maintained because it really is a chronicle of life in St. Louis. I want to I want to be sure to also mention uh, Dick Wiles' yes. name as a, mm-hmm. a visionary founder of the Beacon and and really I think uh, instigator of the merger. I want to back up a little bit to that, Margie, if I can. Why did you 
developed the beacon? Why did the beacon come into being in the first place? Well, uh, it came from a core of people who had worked for many years, many decades, really, at the Post-Dispatch, and several of us took buyouts at that time. It was the, the beginning of the shrinking of that newsroom, and uh, we sat around wringing our hands for a couple of years saying what's happening to journalism, looked around the country and saw that Newsrooms were shrinking in uh, legacy organizations pretty much everywhere and saying, you know, something needs to be done, something needs to be done. Finally, we realized, oh, we can do something. And the concept was just to dive in and, and do online the kind of good reporting that we had been dedicated to doing at the Post-Dispatch. Um, and that was the beginning of it. And that enabled a lot of people who are very talented journalists to remain in the field and remain here yes. uh, doing, doing their work. Yes. And that's important. The institutional memory uh, was preserved. And that was important for St. Louis Public Radio to have that institutional memory with oh, us. Oh, it, 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 it was then, five years ago, and it continues to be. I mean, we, uh, uh, we have uh, been able to, I think, have – so much great journalism because of that institutional memory that has existed with the beacon, with the reporters that uh, joined us at that point in time and continue to work with us. I mean, it's uh, and, and in many ways, I think uh, the work that Margie did and and so many of the other original uh, members of the beacon that came over over that that created, I think, what is it was truly a legacy of what of what this organization is. Uh, and I think when when you chose to retire and others have chosen to retire from this place after coming over, I think. In, in large part, I think they were satisfied that they had done the work that was needed to create a legacy. I, I think of Donna Carando and Susan Hager, who were editors mm -hmm. and that came yeah. over that, you know, worked many, many hours uh, as part of the St. Louis Public Radio team with after the merger on so many stories that, that created the groundwork mm -hmm. of who we are today. And we have been lucky enough to bring in a whole new generation of reporters that I think, and editors that respect that and understand that legacy. We have another caller. Let's bring in Laurie, who's calling from University City and has been patiently waiting. Go ahead, Laurie. You're on the air. Hi. I just wanted to say... Um, I spent 10 years as a newspaper reporter in Hannibal, Missouri, a small-town daily, and it has just been breaking my heart watching what's been happening across the country with newspapers just withering on the vine. And I remember thinking, what's the solution? What is the solution? And you guys came up with it. Um, it was just it's just astonishing. And St. Louis now is this national leader. So... Bravo. We are huge fans. Oh, thanks. That's great yeah. to hear. That must uh, certainly touch you in a certain, certain way, Margie, having been in, in print journalism for so many years and watching, as you alluded to earlier, what is happening, the shrinking product. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's happening at the same time that the tools for doing journalism and sharing your work are better than ever. Mm -hmm. uh, but the trick is to figure out how to sustain it and also how to really connect with people and reach people. Only a minute or two left, and Tim, I wanted to talk to you about something else. You're a member of the NPR board. I am. Congratulations Thanks. on that. A little belated uh, in, in congratulating you. 
But there's going to be a change at the top at NPR. Is that going to impact us in any way? Jarl Mohn is leaving as the CEO. Sure. And he's he's going to stay on. He's going to <clears throat> stay on as a volunteer to help lead fundraising efforts after uh, he'll be uh, president emeritus. Uh, but anytime there's new leadership, there could be changes. But I think the, the, the thing that I am very confident in as both a general manager of a public radio station and as a board member is, is that the executive team at NPR is really, really strong. Uh, and they understand the relationship between NPR and stations and the partnership and the potential exists on collaboration. Uh, we have a brand new uh, senior VP of news, Nancy Barnes, who has just joined the company over the last couple of weeks, who comes to NPR from the Houston Chronicle with a great journalism background. I think that leadership in news is going to be essential towards moving things forward. So I, I feel really confident that uh, that the team that's in place at NPR and that Yarl has been able to establish is going to be great. And, and we look forward to, to I think, a long le- long-term partnerships, if not more collaborations with NPR down the road. We only have a minute left. What's uh, what's in the immediate future for St. Louis Public Radio? Well, I you know, uh, a lot of it is is continuing the work that we've done. Uh, we are looking at ways uh, that we can find um, new opportunities to engage audiences. I think that one of the things that we're thinking a lot about is helping people understand how news is created and what news is. And this idea of news and media literacy is something that we feel we can play a role reaching audiences in different ways. We need to continue to come up with new tools and techniques and stories to reach people in different ways, on air, online, in the community in various ways. We're going to have to leave it right there. I want to thank you both so much for being with us, and congratulations once again on the past five years and what you've accomplished. Margie Fry Vocal, great to see you as always. Tim Eby, thank you for being with us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.